Hi, everyone. Sebastian Richard here for the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. Thank you for joining me tonight for a very special broadcast titled The 17 Characteristics of God's Chosen Remnant for the Last Days. Quite a long title, but I think it really conveys what uh, I want to teach tonight. And before I get started, if you haven't done so already, make sure you head on to thrivingonpurpose.com after the broadcast, of course, and sign up to our weekly newsletter to stay up to date with all of our news updates and get store discounts. This will enable you to follow this ministry despite all the censorship that's going on right now. So while you're at it, make sure you check out our unique Kingdom Patriot merch and remnant apparel. So if you feel led to partner with this ministry or to sow a seed, you can do so on our website by clicking on the Give button. Now, dear friends, I have taken way too much of your precious time. Let's get on with tonight's teaching. So the title again is 17 Characteristics of God's Chosen Remnant for the Last Days. In Romans chapter 11, verses 2 to 5, we read this. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? God said, I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, Paul said, so too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. So back in Paul's day, there was a remnant. There has always been a remnant. All throughout church history, there's always been a remnant. And it's interesting because in the story of Elijah, we see that uh, they weren't running in his company. So he wasn't acquainted with them. And, and so he thought he was the only one left. It was like, I'm the only one left who, who loves you, Lord, who follows your laws, who wants to honor you. And God said, don't kid yourself. There's 7,000 people you don't even know that love me as much as you love me. So that was uh, something that uh, is a very powerful, very powerful passage for us today as well. There's a lot of people um, in, in organized religion today who don't know that God has a remnant that may not even be part of organized religion. And this remnant is on fire for God in ways that most of us can barely imagine. And before I go down the list of the 17 characteristics of that, of those uh, part of the remnant, I want to share with you guys a clip that I, uh, I downloaded today. I wanted to share it with you guys because I really think it exemplifies the remnant mentality, the remnant mentality. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we might think like, what's the, what's the mindset? What's the mentality that we should have in the days we're living now? Well, I think this clip really exemplifies it. So I'm going to share it with you. It's from the movie um, First Night. Uh, I don't remember the date. I think it was 1995. First Night. Uh, it was starring Richard Gere and Sean Connery at the time. So this is a really good clip that I'm sharing with you guys. So let me just find it here. All right. This is from First Night. I think it really sums it up pretty good. 
You want to know how to win a sword fight? Be the only one with a sword. Easy. Give him a hand. He fought well. Well done, John. Winner takes all, my friends. Winner takes all. One more challenger and I'll be on my way. Once in a lifetime, there comes a fighter so powerful, so fast, so fearless that no man can touch him. And while you're waiting for him to come along, you can practice on me. <laughs> as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow, somewhere, there's a man who's better than me. Could be here. Could be today. Go on. Yeah! Could be you. Looks strong. Hmm. Is he good? Try him and see. Go on, Mark. Only don't hurt him. It's you, Mark, are you? That's my name. I'm Lancelot. You ready? Ready. You don't have to kill me to win, you know. Right. That tight hold of your sword? Don't you worry about that! Good. Now, can I give you some advice? What's that? Don't drop your sword. This your sword? Well done. <laughs> Give him a hand! Well done, Mark. How did you do that? How did he do that? Was that a trick? No. No trick. It's a way of fight. Could I do it? Tell me. I can learn. You have to study your opponent, how he moves, so you know what he's going to do before he does it. I can do that. Mm. You have to know that one moment in every fight, when you win or lose, and you have to know how to wait for it. I can do that. And you have to not care whether you live or die. I really like this clip. You have to not care whether you live or die. And it's interesting because in the in the movie First Night, Lancelot, played by Richard Gere, in the beginning of the movie, he's this vagabond. He's this guy who goes from town to town fighting for pay, making money off people like that. Uh, he's probably, well, not probably, in the movie, he's the best fighter in the whole kingdom of King Arthur. And yet Arthur never heard of him. This, I believe, espouses a lot about the remnant. See, Elijah had never heard of the 7,000 people that had not bowed their knee to Baal. And so it is with the remnant. Most people have never heard of them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 to 39, he said, 
Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father, it's, it's interesting how he puts this in the same passage, in the same saying. So he says, basically, a man's enemies will be those of his own household. So he says, Christ, he came to bring division. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And this here, verse 39, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So that passage, in a nutshell, pretty much describes the attitude, the mindset, the heart of the remnant of God. It's very drastic. It's very, very drastic. It's a passage that most of us, we kind of feel a tinge. We, find, we feel, uh, we go like, whoa, that's pretty extreme. Uh, I remember I read a, there was a meme on uh, on Facebook or social media. I don't remember where, but it said, uh, some people say I'm pretty extreme when it comes to Jesus. Well, I think it was pretty extreme what he did for me at the cross. Kind of showing like, you know, it's kind of normal that we should be extreme for Jesus Christ after the extreme love uh, that he showed us at the cross. But tonight, I'll be even more specific than that. I'm going to give you more details, what I narrowed down, the 17 specific characteristics of the remnant that I have singled out for you to, uh, so I could narrow down even more. I believe these are very accurate. I believe they really describe the remnant uh, today. Uh, they describe the, the God's remnant today. So if you want to take a notepad, you can take some notes. It's going to be pretty good. Very interesting stuff. Number one. The remnant today, they have a deep hunger for more of God and his truth. They have a deep hunger for more of God and his truth. Number two. Well, actually, I should maybe wait a little bit because maybe I should comment a little bit on more <laughs> on number one. <laughs> so they're not casual Christians. So number one, the deep hunger and hungering for more of God and more of his truth. They're not the casual uh, Christians or, or lukewarm Christians. They're on fire for God and they never settle. They're never at a place in their life where they're like, well, you know what? I'm pretty happy with what I know of God, uh, what I know of him. And uh, yeah, I'm going to just pitch my tent here and I'm happy where I'm at. They always want more. So they have what we would call blissful dissatisfaction. So uh, they're, they're, they're having a blissful relationship with Jesus, but they're never really satisfied at where they're at. Okay. Number two, the remnant of God, they hate organized religion. They hate 
organized religion. Now, they love the pure religion spoken of in James, which is taking care of the widows and the orphans. That's That they love, but they hate organized man-made religion. I don't think I need to expand on that. Um, the religious spirit goes against pretty much everything that God stands for. The religious spirit is what stood, uh, what stood against Jesus during his ministry on earth. It was, it was that, that which uh, um, motivated the Pharisees uh, to be against Jesus. So the religious spirit is something that goes against everything that uh, that's, that's, that's about the heart of God. Number three, the remnant of God. They discern, know, and are willing to expose the devil's agenda. So number one, they discern it. Number two, they know it. Number three, they're willing to expose it. Even if they're mocked, even if they're hated, even if they get censored, even if they lose friends, you catch my drift. So they're willing to do this. Um, number four. The remnant of God today, they fear God alone. There was a saying I read once that said, uh, if you fear God, you'll have nothing else to fear. And that's true. And that is the remnant in a nutshell. They fear God alone. And therefore, therefore, they don't live in fear for the rest. The only thing they do fear is God. They have a healthy fear of God deep within their heart. Number five, number five, they do not bow to any man. They do not bow to any man. I really like uh, what we've seen in recent months of, uh, of pastors who, uh, who went against the grain, pastors who stood up against the tyranny of some of their uh, governments uh, to the cost of even going to jail, to the cost of being humiliated publicly, uh, being put handcuffs on and being brought, being separated from their families. Um, they showed a lot of bravery. Uh, and Arthur Pulowski from, uh, I think he's from Calgary, Alberta, showed tremendous courage in recent months. And uh, I, my wife and I, we really like what he said when, when he said, uh, lions do not bow to hyenas. And that really, I feel, uh, ep uh, epitomizes the heart of the remnant. They are lions. They are as bold as lions. And they are not willing to bow to hyenas, to any man, to any wicked system. So that is number five. They do not bow to any man. Number six, God's remnant today they are often the target of spiritual attacks. They are often the target of spiritual attacks. Uh, when you take a stand for God and you're bold and you're on fire for God and you stand against injustice, you stand against lies, uh, you will be targeted. There's going to be a target on your back. You can bet about you, you can bet you can bet on that. And it's not uh, pleasant. It's not fun. Uh, but it's something that the remnant are willing to face up to and that they do face up to as well. So uh, if you're undergoing some uh, spiritual attacks, witchcraft attacks in your life, uh, although it can be very trying, very difficult, uh, tell yourself, I must be doing something right for God if I'm the victim of those things. Number seven, 
Today's remnant, they often have a strong watchman anointing. They often, not always, but they often have a strong watchman anointing, which means that they stand on guard, they, they, they stand on the wall, and they perceive, they discern the enemy's moves, and they warn the body of Christ, whether it is by phone, whether it is by email, whether it is on social media, what if they have a, a YouTube channel, they are willing to warn the body of Christ when the enemy, it, about what the enemy is planning, about what the enemy is doing, about uh, all kinds of matters that pertain to the well-being of the body of Christ. So they have a strong watchman anointing. They uh, anointing. <laughs> well, they are anointing to the enemy. Anointing, I mean. So as a with a watchman anointing, they uh, they really they're willing to guard. They're really willing to be on the lookout for what uh, the enemy is doing, and they warn. They warn. They warn. Okay. Number eight. Many of today's remnant are out-of-church Christians. They are out-of-church Christians. Not all of them are, but many are. And kind of like in the days of Elijah, uh, and Elijah was <laughs> somewhat of a cave dweller, but he still had a company of other prophets that he, that he knew about, and uh, so a little uh, group of intimates that he was with, but he didn't know about the 7,000, though. So, um, and, and that's the funny thing, uh, for the remnant is that they usually are not very known. It's not necessarily that they shun the spotlight. It's just that the spotlight doesn't really find them. And when it does find them, it's because God has ordained it this way. So uh, it, it is what it is. And oftentimes these out-of-church Christians were... They're not rebellious. They're not out of church because they're rebellious. They're out of church because they were called out of the church for a wilderness training. For a wilderness training. I have a couple of books here that I wish I had close by. I would have maybe shared them with you. They talk about that phenomenon. And it's very interesting because these, uh, these out of church Christians who are part of the remnant the wilderness training they go through can only be, be given to them by God outside of church walls. But it's not to keep them there. They're, so they're basically called out of the church for a special wilderness training camp. But after a while, it could be a few months, it could be a few years. After a while, these remnant, they carry a special fire that they are called to bring back in the church or to the church. So they're not to be in the wilderness forever. That is not the purpose of them being called out of church. The purpose for them being called out of church is for a special wilderness training that's going to ignite something in them that could not have been ignited inside of, inside of church walls. And that special fire that they carry is meant at this time, I believe, at this time more and more, more and more of the remnant are rejoining their brothers and sisters in the church and bringing this new fire with them. 
And as I'm saying this, the Holy Spirit is just giving me confirmation. I can feel this, the power of the Holy Ghost right now. So this might be you. Maybe maybe you're an out-of-church Christian. Maybe you've been wondering about your place in all of this, the grand scheme of things. Well, guess what? If you've been called out of church, it was for a time of very specific equipping. Kind of like uh, you kind of were called to join God's special forces. And this fire that that can only be kindled in, during this wilderness training is very, very precious to God. And uh, he wants us to carry it back when we're ready. When, when, when we get the green light from God, he wants us to carry it back to the church to ignite the rest of the church. The rest of the end times church, we're supposed to go back and ignite them because this is the fire that's going to be deep within them. That's going to encourage them and bless them and strengthen them to face up to what we're supposed to face up to in the coming months and years. So this is a very special fire, uh, number eight. So that's very important. Number nine, the remnant of God. They are, I'm going to teach you a new word. Maybe you've never heard that word. It's not used commonly. They are Radamantine. Radamantine. R-H-A-D-A-M-A-N-T-H-I-N-E. Radamantine. What does that mean? What is Radamantine? Well, it, it, it's a very interesting word if you can find it in your dictionary. And it's, it is an English word, and it means uncompromisingly just. Think about the scope of this word. Uncompromisingly just. That is what Radamanthine is. So they will not compromise on what their government, the government of the kingdom of God, has equipped equip them with and ordained ordained them with. So they were called to be ambassadors of Christ, and they are ambassadors of Christ, and they are uncompromising with that position and what it entails. Okay? Radamantine. Number 10. The remnant of God in this day and age. They are willing to pursue truth no matter where it will lead them. Ooh, okay. And I know a lot of us think that we're, we're, we're willing to do that. A lot of us think we're willing to pursue truth no matter where it will lead us. But here's the, here's the truth of the matter. And I hope I, can, I hope I can phrase it in a way that you guys are going to follow my train of thought. I don't want to have a misstep here. A lot of us, who think that we're willing to pursue truth no matter where it leads is basically the truth that we've come to know as truth, not necessarily the truth itself. So the truth that we're familiar with, the truth that we're comfortable with, and the truth that we believe is truth, that's what we're willing to pursue or to, to, uh, to keep going with. Now, what I'm talking about is truths that may contradict what you presently believe, truths that may contradict the present church or organization you are part of right now. So what I'm saying is that for the remnant, these truths are so important to them 
that they're willing to leave their church if they have to, to pursue them. They're willing to cut ties with friends or family members if it's necessary. They're willing to go to crazy lengths if God shows them an error they were living in. They're willing to make a 180 right away and change their whole life, if need be, for that truth once God shows it to them. That's what I'm talking about when I say they pursue truth no matter where it leads. Now, that's not something that most of us are able and willing to do, but that is what the remnant does, okay? So that's number 10. Number 11, they are not attached to any man-made traditions. They are not attached to any man-made traditions. So although they may have in their own lives traditions that they hold dear, if God tells them tomorrow to let that, to leave that behind them, to stop that tradition for whatever reason, they're going to quit it. They're going to drop it like a bad habit because they are more attached to God and his truth than to any tradition that they might have come to really uh, like, enjoy, or dear to, to, their, to their hearts. Uh, recently, I, I posted a, a blog that uh, is kind of it's kind of rough around the edges. It was about Halloween. And in that blog, obviously, Halloween is full of man-made traditions. We know that. But, but it, even more so, it's very occultic and, and satanic. Uh, so in the blog, I, I was very um, uh, clear that I was, I was puzzled that we still needed to address this. I was puzzled. I was like, if it's true that we love God, if it's true that, that we want to follow him, that we want to follow Jesus, there shouldn't even be a debate about Halloween. There shouldn't even be a debate about that. And uh, to, to me, it's, it's like, it, it, it's, it's, it's obvious. I mean, it's, it's a duh kind of thing. I'm like, you're a believer. You say you love God. You say you love God's word. Why the heck do you do anything that remote, remotely attaches you to something like Halloween? It just didn't make any sense to me. And uh, so there's that. There's that. And there's other traditions also. I'm not going to get into it tonight. But there's other traditions that are very, very dear to our hearts. But if we, uh, if we do a lot of research, sometimes we figure out that some of these traditions just go against what our God stands for. And if it goes against anything that God stands for, it shouldn't be part of a Christian's life. Uh, I have a definition here on my wall in my office. It's a definition that I came up with maybe 10 years ago of a Christian. So I, I basically wrote down, I typed it, it, it's printed. It says, Christian, I can barely see it. Okay. Someone who hates everything that God hates and who loves the same way that God loves. That is a Christian. That is a Christian. Someone who hates everything that God hates and who loves the same way that God loves loves. That is the best definition of a Christian that I've uh, come across. 
So that was number 11. Number 12, the remnant. They are misunderstood by other Christians. They are often, I should have written often, they are often misunderstood by other Christians. It, it, they, um, and it's, it's not surprising. I mean, if we look at all the, the, the great men and women in the scriptures, we spoke of Elijah earlier. He was misunderstood. There's John the Baptist. Boy, was he misunderstood. Jesus Christ, he's on top of the list for sure. He was very misunderstood still to this day. The Apostle Paul, Peter, most of the apostles, very misunderstood. And, and there's misunderstanding, of course, that, that comes from unbelievers or the culture. Obviously, that's going to be part of it. But for the remnant, it, it goes even deeper than that. For the remnant, they are misunderstood by their peers. And that hurts deeper. That's harder to deal with. That's harder to deal with. But it's a fact. So they are marginalized oftentimes because of um, their, the call on their lives. The call that they've decided to embrace on their lives. See, the Bible says that many are called, few, few, are, uh, few are chosen. Well, that's the thing. We all have the same call, but we don't all decide to walk the path or walk the narrow way. You know, the narrow way that Jesus said, very few cho cho choose it. Uh, that's something that a lot of people, a lot of Christians uh, are not willing to walk because they don't want it. They, they don't want to, to, to be hated. They don't want to offend. They don't want to hurt people's feelings. They don't want to be misunderstood. And number 13, they don't want to feel isolated. So that's number 13. The, the remnant of God, they often feel isolated. They often feel isolated. Remember, uh, Elijah, after his victory on Mount Carmel, uh, not Caramel, Car Carmel, <laughs> Carmel, he, he heard that uh, Jezebel wanted his head and uh, he just ran away in the desert. And he was there alone. And uh, he's, for a big part of his ministry, he was alone in the desert. And John the Baptist had a similar anointing as Elijah, and he was alone in the desert a lot. And we know that our Lord Jesus Christ often went to pray alone in the desert, um, in, in quiet places. The remnant often feels isolated. So they, they often choose isolation for their special purpose. But they often feel isolated too. They often feel like they, they can't share much with many people. Because, number 12, let's go back to, because number 12 and 13, they work together. Because they're so misunderstood, they don't feel they can share a lot with a lot of believers. So they feel isolated. Number 14, the remnant of God are often deemed controversial for the sake of of the kingdom they are often deemed controversial for the sake of the kingdom they don't care much if they're uh, hated misunderstood because what they want is the glory of the kingdom to shine forth 
They want the glory of God. There was once a saying I read, I thought it was pretty good. It says, uh, basically, uh, they don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. They don't care who, who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. And they very rarely get the credit. Very, very rarely get the credit. Uh, so they are oft, often um, controversial, disliked. Uh, their teachings are, are somewhat called hate, sometimes called hate speech or uh, too negative. Remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah uh, was hated for the prophecies that he brought forth because they were, they were in seasons where God was going to bring much judgment on Israel for all kinds of reasons. And, and Jeremiah was in, in a tough place. Because now he was going against the grain. There were these other prophets who were prophesying good things. And he, he came with a message that was like, whoa, what are you talking about, dude? This is so harsh. <laughs> and, and, and he got into so much trouble that he was like, I'm, I'm just going to shut up. I ain't going to talk anymore. Because all these prophecies, all they do is get me in trouble and people want to lynch me. So I'm going to shut up. But then he says, but when I shut up. The words of God, they were like a fire within my entrails, and I just needed to talk. It just like came out. So he was controversial. Well, today's remnant are no exception uh, to that, uh, no strangers to that. <coughs> Sorry about that. So they, too, are often controversial. 15, number 15, the remnant of God today have a burden to equip the saints and spread the truth. They have a burden for it. It's a burden. They want to equip the saints. They want people to understand what they've understood, to see the, the, the facets of God that they have seen, the deeper truths that they've encountered. They, they want to equip the church. They have such a burden for that. Because they know what it's going to bring to the church if the church uh, embraces that narrow path. They know what it's going to do. And so they have a big and very great burden and a very real one. And uh, they often are um, brought to tears because of that. Number 16. The remnant of God today are brave and bold. And I shouldn't say today. Uh, <laughs> it's They've always been like that. The remnant has always been brave and bold. They are bold as a lion. And they are willing to do things. We, we, we saw the clip earlier of um, First Night, uh, Richard Gere, who, who fights. And he says, and you have to not care whether you live or die. Um, that really spoke to me. Uh, God showed me that clip. I, I was going to go... Uh, without sharing the clip, I, I didn't even—I didn't even think of it. And it was about maybe a, an hour before the broadcast. I was like, "Oh, oh, oh!" There's that clip. Oh, I feel like it epitomizes so much what I want to convey. This uh, this will to lose your own life in order to gain it, to lose your own life for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. So because of that, they are brave and bold. And in some countries, in some places in the world, as a result, they become martyrs. They become martyrs. And in Revelation, we see that those who were willing to resist getting the mark, they ended up being beheaded. Not a fun end for sure. 
but the remnant have that bravery, that willingness. They're so sold out for the kingdom that for them, it's just, if it has to be like that, they're going to go. They're going to be all in. And finally, number 17, the remnant of God in these last days, they have strong leadership qualities. They have strong leadership qualities. They have strong leadership qualities because of their love of God, because of their love of God's people, although they may um, ruffle some feathers, although they may come out as sounding like a little bit too harsh sometimes, they have a deep, deep love for God's people. And deep down, they want to add value. They want to bless the church. They want to bless individuals. So they, that makes them good leaders. They're so sold out to God and they're so willing to, to suffer for the kingdom and they're so willing to spread the truth that it makes them good leaders. Although they're not looking to necessarily have followers, which is kind of ironic because we often think, oh, leader, leader equals follower, but not for these uh, men and women of God. They will gladly accept followers and bless them, but they're not looking for them. See, they're not in it for the followers. They're not in it for the platform. They're not in it uh, to win it, <laughs> so to speak. They are in it for the kingdom, for the king, and that's all they're in it for. And that makes them intrinsically very good leaders, very, very good leaders. So I've gone through the list of those 17 characteristics of the remnant of God. And if you meet at least 14, 15, 16 of those characteristics, you may very well be part of the remnant of God. You may very well be. And I think, you know, I think it's something that's very personal. Um, the remnant know their calling. They know who they are. Um, so I'm not, this was, this podcast, this broadcast was not made to uh, make anybody feel inferior, anybody feel superior. It's not about that. It's about helping you to recognize, number one, who the remnant are, what they're like. And number two, also recognize what do I need to change in my life to perhaps be called remnant, to perhaps be that select few, that special forces of God for the end times. Where do I need to sac perhaps sacrifice more or give up more, give up to go up? That's the way of the kingdom. You give up to go up. So we should all aspire to these qualifications. It's called to all believers. Many are called, few are chosen. And you know, these characteristics that I just read to you, I didn't invent them. Basically described, I basically described our Lord Jesus Christ. I described John the Baptist. I described Elijah. They have, they possessed these qualities and characteristics. And they also, these characteristics, they also describe the, the early apostles. So it's nothing uh, mysterious. It's nothing um, strange. It is what it is. Those are the characteristics of the remnant of God in these end days. 
and the remnant of God from past centuries as well, past decades and centuries. Those are the universal characteristics of the remnant. These have always been, so back in the days when Paul wrote about the remnant in Romans 11, those were the qualities of the remnant then. There were qualities of the remnant in the 1500s, and there are qualities of the remnant today, because the, these characteristics and qualities, they don't change. The remnant is the remnant. They, they look and feel a certain way, and they always will. They always will. Bless God. Hallelujah for that. We need, we need the remnant. We need those firebrands who keep the fire in the church burning bright with passion and zeal for God. We need more people like that. And I'm hoping that this broadcast, if you so happen to maybe think, maybe I'm too lukewarm. Maybe I need to be more on fire for God. What do I need? You can ask God to help you to become more on fire for him because this is going to be the uh, the crucible, the test that we're going to pass in the coming months and years. It's going to become, it, 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 you know, normal isn't coming back. Jesus is coming back. You know, you probably read that online, right? A few places they, they've been posting that. Normal isn't coming back. Jesus is coming back. And we have to get ready. And by getting ready, it means that uh, we need to rise up. We need to do like in the book of Revelation, when, when uh, Jesus calls up to John and says, come up hither and I will show you the things that must happen, that must soon take place. Well, if we want to see what must soon take place, we must come up higher. And the only way to come up higher is to deny ourselves even more. To deny ourselves even more. That's, that's the way they came. The more you deny yourself, the more you come up higher. The more you're willing to die to yourself, the higher you're going to go with Jesus and with God. So you have to keep that in mind. So as I reach the end of this uh, very special, very dear to my heart broadcast, I wanted to finish by uh, urging you, encouraging you to visit our um, thrivingonpurpose.com. Go check out our stuff. We have some amazing uh, remnant apparel uh, that Elizabeth has been working on. Uh, we got some great military tags for uh, the remnant that, that are pretty fantastic. You can check that out. Uh, we've got some Kingdom Patriot um, caps and uh, hoodies and other good stuff. So go check that out. And um, I will finish. I wanted to share a, a nice um, finish with a good ending with a, um, a song, music, that I really like. Uh, I think it was, oh, I forget the title anyway. The title of the song is Renegades. And uh, I wanted to leave you with that. And I hope that you guys have a blessed week. And uh, I will see you next week. Be blessed and thrive on.
Thanks to the renegade. 